Morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, where I learn how to be an overcomer. It is the will of God. It is the plan of God. Victory and overcoming, not defeat not failure. That's not God's will and plan. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom with us. Let's release faith for answers today. Lord, all of us agree together as touching this, asking you for anointed utterance, for open eyes and ears and hearts and revelation, uh, revealing of your light and your truth and your word, and your will, and your plan for us, and of your ways. We want to know you, not just about you, but we want to know you experientially, in fellowship with you. We want to experience you, and we want to know your priorities, and your values. We want to know your ways, and we ask for these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Look with me again in our text in Hebrews 3. We've been on a series we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. In Hebrews uh, 3, Hebrews 3, 7, he said, As the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Verse 10, I was grieved with that generation. I said, they always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, they did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he? that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. What kept them out of their houses and, and their wells and their vineyards and their orchards and their freedom and their protection and their prosperity and their enjoyment of life? It wasn't the things they thought it was. They blamed the giants. They blamed the walls, the fortifications. They blamed the superior weaponry, the iron chariots and 
their superior spears and swords and all of that, they, they, they blamed their own smallness and their lack of training. They blamed Aaron and they blamed uh, Moses and they blamed God and anybody except themselves for not believing. Is that still going on today? Yes. It is. You will find it's just so common and so annoying that people are just messing up their own lives, but they won't take any responsibility for it. It's always somebody else's fault. And to me, it's particularly annoying when they blame God. Because you're talking about my daddy, my great father, and he is wonderful, and he is amazing. And I don't like people slandering my father. How about you? But you can't control everybody, what they think and say, but we can sure control what we believe, Amen. right? Yes. And we do. We've looked, like I mentioned in previous classes, at those first 10 major events starting at the Red Sea, and then the 10th one was there at Kadesh Barnea when the spies went into the land. How that at every one of those junctures, all these people made the wrong choice. They erred and chose to doubt God instead of believing. And uh, with us, there are multiple opportunities every day to either trust God or doubt Him. And if you're wise, you'll make the right choice. And you'll choose to be positive. You'll choose to acknowledge that God is real, that He exists, that He cares about you, that He's faithful, that He'll do what He said in His Word. It's not something you can't do. You don't have to understand how things can work out. You don't even have to know. All you got to know is who. <laughs> right? right? Who. You don't have to know what, how, when. You just got to know who. Right? Do you know who? Yes. Like, like, like Paul said in Timothy, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep. What I have committed to him. Everybody, we can say it out loud. We can join him. Say, I know. I know. In whom I have believed. In whom I have believed. I know him. I know him. And I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. That what he has promised. That what he has promised. He is able to do. He is able to do. And he is able to keep. And he is able to keep. Everything. Everything. I have committed to him. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. That means you better get ready for some miracles then. <laughs> Go to Numbers, the 16th chapter. This gets into our past the initial 10. There are an additional five events that occurred after Kadesh Barnea. And so we're going to look at those two because it involves the same things. Now, you know, you would hope that after all of that and them seeing how bad they messed up and how bad it's costing them, maybe somewhere somebody would say, hey, let's repent, <laughs> right? Let's, let's, let's change this thing. Not so. It actually got worse. It got worse. Notice here in number 16. Again, now this is, let's, let's remind of where this is in the account. 
This is after Kadesh Barnea. This is, that was back in chapter 14. This is chapter 16. And so the spies went and, and Caleb and Joshua tried to get them to go. They wouldn't go. They, they threatened to stone uh, Joshua and Caleb because their faith was so annoying and irritating to them. And they said, we, they cried all night long. You could hear it through the hundreds of thousands in the camp. And it did not make God feel sorry for them. It angered him. And this is what he said. How long will it be before they believe me? He said, he said these, these ten times. Uh, I'll, I'll read it back in Numbers 14 and, and 20. I'm reading the Living Bible translation of it. When, uh, when the Lord was really angry with them, Moses fell down and he said, Oh God, you know, have mercy on them. Because the Lord said, uh, I'll, I'll just start over with you, Moses. In other, in other words, I, I, I can't work with these people. They, they won't listen to me. And he, realized, he knows, God knows the end from the beginning. They're not going to. Not next year, not the next. And so Moses intercedes for them and says, Please, you know, uh, the Egyptians will say it's because you couldn't get them in that you destroyed them out in the wilderness. And he said, they're your people. And he, and he said, remember your covenant with Abraham. <laughs> Is Moses the best friend these people ever had or what? And yet, do you, did you, have you read how they treated him and how they talked about him? The Lord said in verse 20, this is the Living Bible, all right, I will pardon them as you have requested, the mercy of God. But he said, I vow by my own name that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And so it is true that not one of the men that have seen my glory and miracles I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and ten times refused to trust me and obey me. Do you hear the language? It's obvious they could have. Because what did God say? They refused to. Not they can't. Not they tried and they weren't able. No, they refuse to. And you need to know this just in life so that you don't just frustrate yourself endlessly. There will be people around you who are not going to believe no matter how much they see, how much they hear, how much evidence there is to cause them to believe they're not going to. And uh, there are cases where all of your pleading and crying and trying to reason is not going to, it's not going to be effective. If God couldn't convince them, come on, are you with me? And he won't make them, you can't make them. And you just got to realize that, uh, you know, as a preacher, I had to realize this some years ago, that uh you know, when I go and I preach and I give an altar call or whatever, you know, I want everybody that's lost to get saved, right? I want everybody that's backslidden to come. Everybody that needs to receive to come and get free. And uh, I need to preach and teach and minister like everybody will. But some won't. Hmm? You know, the Bible said concerning Paul over in the book of Acts on one occasion, near the end of the book there, said he... Uh, he had all the elders of different places in the city come to him. And he spent all day 
teaching them out of the law, out of the prophets, proving uh, that Jesus is the Christ and redemption. I mean, we're talking about, I don't know, six hours, eight hours, the anointing on Paul. Do you reckon he did a good job? <laughs> uh-huh. And the, the, the result was, and some believed, and some believed not. After hearing that, People left and went, no, I don't care. I don't believe all that. People heard Jesus preach, didn't they? And and, and rejected it and decided they didn't want it. They refused it. He came into his own and his own didn't receive him. So don't just frustrate yourself endlessly by trying to make people believe. Realize you can't. You can't. Unless the Holy Spirit reaches inside somebody and illuminates them, turns on the light. You can't make people see things, no matter how perfectly you say it or express it. And even then, when somebody sees it, it's still their choice. Is that right? Whether they will receive it or whether they won't. And so many things uh, concerning relationships and even family and whatever, you just have to cast the care of it over on the Lord. And if people don't receive, I'm not, I don't mean you give up. I don't mean that because as long as there's breath, there's hope. Is that right? And you ask the Lord, well, Lord, do it again, please. Send labors across their path. Is that right? Uh, and, and, and you take the authority in the name of Jesus, break the darkness from over their minds and and use your faith to, to, to laborers that they'll listen to if they won't listen to you. And, and he will do it. He will do it. He'll bring them again right to the light, right to the point of decision. But guess what? It's their choice. Is that right? It's still their choice. And they may decide not to. And if they do, what do we do? Do it again. Is that right? long as there's breath. Is that right? There's hope. What do we do? Well, Lord, please, out of your mercy, do it again. Send more labors. Cross service. Is that right? And, and you don't give up. You don't quit. But you, you, you must acknowledge that God's not going to force them. And I can't. And so you don't frustrate yourself by trying to force anybody. But he said, these ten times they refuse to trust me and obey me. Again, that choice. Now after that, we're here in number 16. So they've, they've heard they're not going into the promised land. They, they've heard they're talking death over and over again. It's their choice, and now that's what they're going to get. They're all going to die out in the wilderness. And it's what they, they get, they're getting what they said. And here in number 16, Korah the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Now this becomes uh, uh, even a more issue as we go further into it. Did you see the phrase son of Levi? Levites. Both the, uh, both the uh, priesthood and what we'd call the helps of ministry, came, ministry of helps, came out of the family or tribe of Levi. In fact, uh, Moses and Aaron's mother and father were Levites. They were out of that tribe. 
And so um, here, Korah is uh, of that same tribe. Then Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, which is a different tribe of Israel, they took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes in the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And they said, you take too much on you, Moses and Aaron, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them and the Lord's among them. Why then do you lift yourselves up above the congregation of the Lord? And Moses heard it and fell on his face. Now here is a concerted rebellion. An attempt to overthrow their current leadership. To remove and replace Moses and Aaron as their leaders. So, talking about what we've looked at in previous lessons here, are they taking any responsibility for their current situation? None. They're, they're blaming Moses and Aaron, blaming somebody else. So there is zero repentance here, zero humility, and zero honesty. There's dishonesty in this. And you'll find any time the enemy is in something like that, that's what you'll see. Dishonesty and rebellion and to take over and to force. We just got through talking about two chapters earlier. It hadn't been very long since Kadesh Barnea, chapter 14, to here. And we just got through reading that God was, he was so upset with these people because he has done an amazing thing for them. He has done things for them that has never happened on planet Earth. Ever. Never after four centuries. Did anybody think they were getting out and going to be free people from the Egyptians? Nobody had ever seen the signs and wonders that happened in Egypt. And man, God did it. He brought them out. Is that right? And he's got this beautiful land picked out for them. He's got big plans for them. And they mocked him. And they challenged him. And they besmirched and slandered the land. He, they changed the name of it. He said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a good land. They said, no, -uh, it's an evil land. It will eat you up. You'll die over there. And so they wind up missing out on it. And now they decided we got to get new leadership to get rid of Moses and Aaron. The enemy is always, and you'll see this from Genesis to Revelation, the enemy is always trying to remove and replace God in your life. Always. Remove and replace. Remove and replace. Does anybody remember what the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is? Huh? 
Anybody remember that? I just happen to have it in my notes right here. It says, Exodus 20, verse 2. It says, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Number one. First thing. Why, why would that be number one? Why is that such a big deal? Have you read the Old Testament much before? Have you seen how many times he says, don't worship their gods, don't get involved with their strange gods? And how many times did they ignore him and do it and get up to their eyeballs in it? Why is that such a big deal? And people might say, well, you know, it's, it, it's not that much of a deal today. It's exactly the same today. Somebody says, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I have been down the main streets of cities where there are 12 temples with 12 different gods on the same street. And what people so many times are leaving out, they have many people in our country, in the U.S., they have completely replaced God with the God of technology, God of knowledge, God of education, anything that is a replacement of God. That's what the enemy's pushing. And see, the rebellious nature of the flesh gravitates to that. Because if I have a creator, I should show some respect, right? <laughs> if I'm really dependent on a creator for my existence and my breath and my life, I should show some deferment. I should show some respect. I should show some obedience. Is that right? And I'm, that's all talking about faith. But see, the defiance of the flesh is like, no, no, I'm my own person. I don't need anybody. So somebody comes out with a, a theory of evolution. And it is a theory. Not science. No, it's not. It's unproven. People, why, why, why has it been so popular? Why has it been accepted and preached like truth? Because ungodly man doesn't want to acknowledge that he is beholding to a creator. And he wants to believe. I just through sheer willpower, I grew some fins and, and swam and became a fish. And then I grew some legs and got out and I climbed a tree and then I lost my tail and I jumped down and I said, I am a man. I, I have done all of this by my, uh, you're a fool. You're a fool, ignorant, poor, ignorant fool. No, there is. Somebody says, well, how do you know the theory of evolution is not true? Because I got the truth. I've got the truth. And if you study it just a little bit, the theory of evolution was revised and edited multiple times. And even now, people that try to adhere to it go, Oh, right. There's not one missing link. There must be three. No, maybe there's six. We're not sure. Exactly. 1 Corinthians 15 says there's one kind of flesh 
of birds and one, a different one of animals, a different one. What does that mean? We do not all come from a common origin. You can't believe the Bible and believe that. No. God, have you ever read Genesis? He made different things at different times. Is that right? Even different days. There are different categories. And never has a bird become a man. Never has. Never will. <laughs> and I'm glad to know that. That just makes me happy. Is that right? Where did we come from? We're made in the likeness and image of God. Of the Creator. That's where we come from. And that's who we owe everything to. Hallelujah. Is that okay? But we were talking about that um, the enemy is always trying to remove God from your life and replace God with something else. Something that you won't even realize is connected to him. That's the devil's big issue. He has what you'd call a God complex. He wants to be God. And he ain't anywhere close to ever being remotely God. He's a created being who fell. He was glorious in his time and day. But he ain't what he used to be. He's been defeated. He's been brought to naught. But do you remember, even in tempting Jesus, what he said? Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, all of this has been given to me. And it has by man. And he said, and it'll all be yours if you'll fall down and worship me. See, that's what he wants. That's what he craves. He wants to be God. He's not. Said out loud, the devil's not God. He never will be God or anything like God. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. It is written, you'll worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship. And that's what you've got to make up your mind. You are not replacing God. You're not allowing anything to replace his word or his people. And when God raises up a leader to you like Moses and Aaron, you don't replace them. Is that right? To disrespect them is to disrespect the God who chose them and gave them to you. Can you see the connection? So God took this personally that they're saying, we're replacing Moses and Aaron. And before this story is over, uh uh-uh. So they got removed. It was somebody else that got removed. Said out loud our time's up again. Say, I refuse refuse to allow anything to to replace God God in my life. life. He has has the ultimate place, the the first place. His word is my final authority and first place in my life and nothing will ever replace him with me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God forever. Aren't you glad we're not ignorant of the devil's devices and slick tricks? We see him coming and we say, no, you don't. 
Not in my life you don't. Well, our time's up again today. We come back tomorrow. We need to get more into this here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 